Hey everybody, welcome back to Sword Coast, Coast to Coast. This is your Dungeon Master Cameron reminding you to say hello. Hello. The, um, this, is, this is episode 44, starting a new adventure. Uh, in this recording, uh, Mary isn't here. So uh, it's going to be just James and Michael and uh jordan and i and uh you know i'm gonna like, get right to it uh if you don't currently subscribe to this on apple podcasts or wherever you do that subscribe to it that'd be really helpful uh if you haven't rated us if you're listening on apple podcasts that'd be really helpful so give us that five stars we're also on spotify um so uh if you're interested in you know if you use that as, as your kind of podcast app you can go ahead and go over to spotify you can, i think you can probably rate us on there i don't know give us a thumbs up do something Thanks. Uh, <laughs> all right, go on to get to the episode. So everyone, um, after the Favorite Ball game, of course, with Hoots Magoots and uh, the criminal mastermind Hoots Magoots and helping out the magic or everything we did in the last adventure. After that, you all go back to the Lazy Rabbit. Um, Tess goes off in a room to her own. She goes to, to sleep early, but everyone else hangs out for a little while on a, you know, a large table um, uh, in, in the evening. You can hear people in the distance screaming and still recovering from uh, all the different traumatic experiences that had the Faerun Ball match, but you all are feeling safe and sound here at the Lazy Rabbit, your home base here in Marsimber, the name of which I cannot remember, and I had to actually look it up on our on our sheet <laughs> of, of, of campaign information. Um, but you're you're all here, and, and you all get a little bit... Uh, may, maybe you have... Uh, you know, you have have some of that uh, d delicious Faerun powder. You you have some of that Tron excellent death. mead. You you get some of that delicious dirt water. I don't know, wheatgrass shots, and you all get a little bit reflective. All right, you all start thinking about yourselves, and so I I want to take just a moment to introduce all the players who are here right now, this very moment. And then uh, introduce your characters again, just because every time we record, I think it's good to good to do that, since we forgot to do that for several sessions in a row. And then I want to ask you some questions just about where your characters are, right? Uh, you know, behind the curtain for people who are listening. The, uh, we've taken some big gaps in recording, and I, I just want to think, I think it'd be good to remind the audience and ourselves, like, kind of what the role-playing kind of big um, posts or pillars are here for, for your characters. So, um, Michael, do you want to go first? Sure. I'm Silverleaf. I'm an elf from the north. Things are different than for me than elves that you might know. I don't know. I don't live in a forest. I love fish. Uh, I love being a scamp. Mm -hmm. um, do you have Do you have specific questions or? Yeah, I, yeah. I just uh, well. So first off, I think I think a good one would be you know what is what's in the the over the horizon for for Silverleaf. I mean, what what is what is he after right now? I know there are a lot of experiences that you you wanted to do. You had your uh, your like traveler's guide you were kind of looking at, mm -hmm. um, but you know what what is what what's Silverleaf all about these days? Well, Silverleaf is about basically um, he does like a like a or every elf in his like uh, his clan does like a, a 
like a rumspringa for like 500 years so they like mm-hmm. go to the south um which is just you know regular world for for norm for people who don't live in the north everywhere is the south from where silver leaf lives basically he doesn't I, I wouldn't say he like lives at the north pole but um you know in a in a mm-hmm. frozen zone a tundra um but yeah, his, his like he's about halfway through his 500 year journey to like see all of the stuff that's going on in the normal world or in the rest of the world and uh, engrave it on his like his journal, which is a bone from a fish. Um, and so yeah, I think he's got like a bucket list. He likes to eat at restaurants. Um, you know, he's got some important bones from previous people who have who have done the the sort of the journey. Um, they, they call it taking the sun, right? Because there's mm-hmm. more sun in the south. So, uh, And he is yeah. he is mechanically, right, mechanically. a, a, oh, a yeah. wizard, but yeah. he doesn't think of himself as a wizard. And uh, But we, we run into several times, like, magic in a big way, right? So we had the the conjunction at Bogbrook and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that happened with, with uh, Red Sash and, and the planes. Um, we've had the uh, the all worm and, and uh, even uh, the trickster. Yeah. Um, you know, does more distrustful of magic, less distrustful of magic? What do you think? Um, I think probably less distrustful of magic. I think at this point, Silverleaf has been uh, cursed, thrice cursed. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, he's about having some, some new experiences i think like tess a little bit uh but yeah also just just kind of still still pretty wide-eyed i mean he, you know he does you know after 200 years i i don't think that he's learned much or at least he still approaches the world with like a healthy uh level of just like this is new everything mm-hmm. is new right like uh, if you're you're th- you know if you if you live or like look at like a two-year-old right everything they're like tripping everything they see is absolutely <laughs> new to them um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of what silver leaves silver leaves deal is but yeah i think like you know he i think the way that he thinks about magic is like anybody could 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 cast the spells that he casts if they only like could read the bones but that takes you know hundreds of years to like learn how to do and 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 sing Mm -hmm. all the songs and like most of the southern races i mean except for the other elves which i don't think we've really encountered any but like that you know they don't live long enough to like decipher the intricate carving uh, Mm. and and like and like learn all the spells so yeah i think that there's like a rationalization for everything um and yeah, and and, and through it all, Silverleaf like I don't know, it must be like a weird defense mechanism, but yeah, he like maintains a like like just a, just a just a comic level of childlike innocence, despite well, is there any, being level oh, ten. Yeah. Well, is there anything? Yeah, and everyone is now level ten. And and so last question: Is there anything that's happened so far in in the adventure, broadly speaking, that has really fundamentally changed Silverleaf's outlook on the world or like opinion about something in the world? Um, I don't know. I think getting cursed was pretty terrible for for him. <laughs> uh, and I mean, well, not like so the the curse that specifically, not the sword curse, but like the face curse, um, where he like looked into a, a mirror shield and, and and got his face turned into a 
the 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 image of like the horrible orc just like a kind of like a lamprey face type thing mm-hmm. um so yeah that had a i think i think he you know that was the only thing that happened where he was like oh no this is the worst thing i have to get rid of this um and so yeah i think that probably he uh despite going into most situations with like cool what's this uh i think he, he uh uh you know i def- he definitely knows that things are are dangerous down mm. here and that he can die uh one day even if mm. he lives forever he might you know he may be i think that that was forcing him to confront his own mortality a little bit mm, interesting okay um thanks who who wants to go uh, uh wants to go next I mean, dying one day sounds bad. I'm glad that Kylie doesn't have to worry about that. <laughs> okay. So uh, this is James. Yeah, this is uh, this is James. I, I play um, Kylie, who would be God King, um, who um, I got mechanically um, is a fighter with one level of sorcerer um, and a fire genasi. So got that heat going on mm-hmm. um and i think kylie uh when we first started was like um uh um i, I don't know how to say um what's that phrase um a, a bit of a wild card <laughs> um <laughs> and um not like a sort of in a, a self-imposed exile from this kingdom that he grew up in um but not as like a prince, but just as a a, a guy um, doing like fire magic in the court. And I think in the first couple of adventures had uh, maybe some more um, motivation to try and, I don't know, build up to his eventual um, God King-ness that he knew he was destined to. Mm -hmm. But I feel like um, since the when we um, got those giant wasps that we fought in Marsember um, and started doing all this interplanar stuff, um, maybe a bit more out of his depth and along for the ride. Um, less motivation so far about, um, like, I don't know, trying to conquer kingdoms or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Get super strong. I feel like he also got a cool sword and got a cool arm um mm-hmm. so so uh kylie is still undergoing some sort of uh transformation that perhaps is ill-defined currently and probably um just ill in general yeah yeah but, but I, don't, I don't think i don't think kylie sees it that way I, I think like in kylie's head oh it would totally make sense for a king to have like a really weird like skeletal you know arm Oh yeah, that, that, I guess that's I guess that's true. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so what what's a beyond those uh, like personal transformations that have happened? What's what's an event that's happened so far in the adventure that has like really kind of changed Kylie's approach or opinions about the world? Well, it, I feel like this is a, a little silly because um, I, I'm not sure how much the listeners know behind the curtain. But um, we did this, uh, we did the holiday episode, mm-hmm. um, and although I think that p- 
people heard that around Christmas, mm-hmm. um, it actually happened, or um, it happened between um, the um, courtroom drama and, um, or right after the courtroom drama. And I feel like just um, kind of the um, nature of that, even though it, I think it was like a fun holiday episode, I think like going to another plane and um, like, although we've touched on planar stuff before, um, that one seemed like different and like the same. Um, I feel like that would have been kind of a moment of, you know, um, there are so many more worlds to conquer thing. Mm-hmm. Where oh, I see. Kyle, like Kylie hasn't even really made progress on on Faerun. <laughs> like, <laughs> and there's a courtroom. Yeah, like, uh, and there's like an interplanar courtroom, and then right after the interplanar courtroom, we go somewhere that has never even heard of like any of our Faerun stuff. It seems like, and then we come mm-hmm. back, and Kylie's like, um, his home place of, I forget the name. Do you remember what that place is? Mar- um. Uh, it's on the map. Yeah. Um, of there. Of there. Yeah, the, the home place where he came from. He didn't even conquer that place yet. So maybe maybe it's a little bit, a bit of a reflection. Imp- Impultor. Uh, yeah, Impultor. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's a little parochial, a little backwater. Maybe yeah. you're not as important as you thought you... And you're not even lord of that yet. Yeah. Hmm. Gotta start putting levels into Sorcerer. Yeah. Well, I just leveled up again in Fighter because it gave me an ability. And the level 2 Sorcerer ability isn't that cool. So, Go start uh, putting putting levels in uh, leadership. Yeah. In uh, in your MBA and executive leadership. Yeah, I got, I got those thralls. Bard. Thralls. Bard College. Um, yeah, Bard College. Alrighty, and Jordo. Hello. What, what are you, uh, you're, you're playing WEG. I play WIG. <laughs> and uh, what's what's WEG all about these days? Well, WEG is a halfling cleric, light domain. Mm-hmm. Um, no, death domain. What am I saying? I don't know. I said mm-hmm, just agreeing with you, but yeah, that, <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Really, uh, two, two sides of the same coin, right? They mm-hmm. are. Um Weg is a, a uh, wandering grave digger who uh, many decades ago left his family home in the south and is uh, has been kind of wandering around since then and uh, before he um, before he fell in with this group of, of scoundrels uh, he just sort of aimlessly kind of drifted from one community to another sort of uh finding places that had suffered from a plague or monster attack or whatever and would just handle burial services for for communities that were in need and and you know may not have like be large enough to have their own you know like um clergy or like church services to take care of that stuff or their own funeral homes or whatever mm-hmm. um and so weg uh tried to um travel around and learn as much about different burial practices and and things of that nature as he could uh 
His holy implement is his trusty shovel, which is a family heirloom uh, that he uses for uh, both fighting monsters and uh, burying folk when needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget how much we've covered why exactly Wegg left home. But basically nothing. Basically nothing. So okay. you know, just to you know to reflect on on Wegg, I think uh, every adventure for the past like four <laughs> times we've recorded, I've specifically placed <laughs> an opportunity for you. I know to ex- explore some of those things, and I think we uh, we forget to 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 do that. Well, I've been I've been the the direction that I come from those opportunities from is the Weg is not going to go out of his way to expound on any of this mm. because he mm. he wants to keep it secret because mm-hmm. he's ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, so we've had there have been several characters such as the um, the demon in. The uh, the underground. Barnaby the postmaster. Devil. Yeah, Barnaby the postmaster. You know, and we've had we've had other characters that have kind of pried into uh, into Wegg's past and his brain through magical means and other other ways. And um, uh, Wegg is not going to volunteer that information, especially not publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has. Uh, over the course of our of our various adventures, he has been sort of divinely contacted by Aragolin, which is mm-hmm. the uh, halfling god of death and the uh, care of the dead. Uh, not not god of death in like a like a um, like a grim reaper sense, or even in like a uh, like a war plague kind of sense mm-hmm. uh he's the god of the dead in like a, like a very much in like a mortician sense mm-hmm. uh, aragolin's whole deal is about proper burial services and respecting the dead and like shepherding the dead to their post-life uh hangout zone versus anything like he doesn't cause death he watches over death you know mm-hmm. um yeah and a so steward yeah, exactly. And so uh, over the course of our adventures, Wegg has been uh, sort of contacted by proxy a couple times by mm-hmm. Aragolin. There are um, a black mastiff hound, which is one of Aragolin's symbols, spoke to Wegg and uh, told him to or asked him if he considered not the ant. And since that happened, small ants have been appearing around Wegg, and Wegg has considered many of them. Uh, some of them have helped with Wegg spellcasting or his roles since then. And mm-hmm. um, Wegg has also been is also uh, periodically haunted by the the uh, by the ghost of a halfling named Sweary, who uh, was a halfling from. Uh, Wegg's home village before he left who uh, is supposed to be very dead and has uh, shown up a couple times not so dead mm-hmm. but also not so but also not like resurrected 
So he, he has mysteriously disappeared every time. Yeah, Wegg's never been able to really like nail it down. Okay, great. This is all very good. And is there anything that's happened other than those things? I guess, Jordo, uh, 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 is there anything that's happened that's really changed Wegg's perspective on something? Um, I think adventuring with the team has kind of slowly been giving Wegg more hope about like the chance for community mm-hmm. in his long-term future. Uh, that is something that af- like after Wegg left home, um, he sort of gave up the idea of ever having a permanent home or like a permanent community or group of people to get to know or associate himself with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've been, going on adventures now for a minute uh and i think that that's the the other than all the stuff with the roglin and like um the very like foundations of weg's core belief system sort of being like poked at by the universe uh feeling like maybe he's not gonna spend the next hundred years by himself Mm. um that's probably been the thing the thing that's that's changed Wegg the most recently. Mm, it's very interesting. And you all sit there around this table and you share these insights about yourself in appropriately uh, in-character voices and things of that nature. <laughs> um, you know, uh, DM fiating that away and and you chatter into the night uh, until you finally go to sleep at good God. The lazy rabbit. The lazy rabbit. I had to click back over to the to the right right thing. You wake up the next morning, all of you refreshed, uh, refined, feeling good. Your hit points back at maximum. Your spells slots recharged. Your newly minted level ten abilities, and uh, this is the first day in a long time. You really don't have anything directly in front of you. Is there anything that you would like to do in Marsimber or anything you'd like to check on in Marsimber before um, the plot gets rolling? Yes. <laughs> well, I feel like we'd be remiss um, not to do some Gilbert stuff. Yeah. Okay. okay. I want to know That's about what Gilbert's the fans have been forward. wanting. Okay, so uh, num- number one, right, there's uh, Gilbert the fish who was uh, caught in the dragon mirror many, many, many uh, months ago, literally months ago, uh, in both real and fake world. <laughs> um, and, uh, and you made a deal with uh, Hoback the Bald of creating a, a so-called Gilbert Golem where you could put him into a, a golem and he, he could do that. And uh, you didn't have a, ch- a chance to check on that the past couple episodes. Um, so is that the... Okay, so we want to check on the Gilbert, Gilbert Golem. That's mm-hmm. one thing you want to do. What else? Is that it? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean, I want to I go knock on Tess's door and see how she's doing. Okay. Um, te- you, you, let's go do that right now. Tess is doing great. Great. Uh, you, it, just, it, it just needs to uh, do her own adventure okay. for the day. Uh, but ultimately, take a jacket. Mm-hmm. You never know if it's going to get cold. Okay. Um, Checking on test. What? Well, it seems like James has got a thing. Well, I was going to say, maybe Kyle, um, Kylie 
see if there's any uh, any news. I, I keep forgetting the name of the place, which isn't good. Um, you talking about Boise Rabbit? No, no. Um, from the place that I'm supposed to be from. Um, Impultor. <laughs> yes, Impultor. I say it's supposed to be because maybe Kyle just has a bad memory. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you what are you what are you asking here? Uh, just um, like go down to like a, a post office or something or a, a news place uh-huh. and see if there's any uh, like what's the uh, like what's the foreign correspondence page about Impotor say? Mm, gotcha. So there's a uh, you know there Marsimber has a wide network. It's a it's a it's a criminal town, and so you can you can always. You know, make a little bit of a donation to somebody in order to find out all the hot goss about world politics, and um, and yeah. So you hear about Impulture, you hear some some kind of things that aren't surprising to you. There's uh, inter, you know, uh, intergovernmental um, uh, faction fighting going on. Uh, it doesn't seem like we know one way or the other who the the rightful king of the country is or the rightful ruler of the country is. Um, but that's but that's kind of like day by day, you know. That's yeah. that's always what you hear out of Impulsor. So so nothing nothing super special, nothing super shiny, um, but uh, you know that changes day to day. Yeah, Kylie does hear that and think, well, I know who the rightful king is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, I I I want to know what is I uh, Weg has a lot of. Aragolan literature now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I need to read that book. Thank you for saying yeah, that. Yeah, and you have a scroll. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm interested in that, but uh, I'm also wondering, uh, is this funnel cake that I have had for months now still good? Well, it's uh, brilliantly because you bought what you... To my mind, or uh, my memory of this, is that this funnel cake that you got is you got that like outside Mistress Bobbin's mm-hmm. shop, and yeah. you were ready to to do it. Um, I mean, it seems like you know traveling the plains does all kinds of things, right? You know, uh, sometimes definitely time dilation doesn't happen, but other kinds of things of preservation or aging, uh, you know, miracles happen in, in the space between the worlds. And I would say one of those miracles is some sort of combination of powdered sugar and fried dough, which already is magical, um, you know, every time. Yes. It's become even more magical somehow this time. And uh, it's still good. I'm you level know. 11 now, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Ding! Um, but yeah, but uh, yeah, still good. You can eat it if you want to, and remember, you still got your uh, your bag of sugar. Yeah. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I eat that funnel cake. Okay. I'm removing mm-hmm. it from my inventory. <laughs> okay. Great. Now we know. Now you know. Um. All right. So I'm, I'm gonna write a raggle in literature. Yeah. Uh. Wag. Uh. After checking on tests remembers that he has this book uh, given to him by Auster in uh, Ravenloft mm-hmm. dur- during the um, the Grinch episode. And <laughs> uh, Wegg suddenly realizes, like, Silver, yeah, Silverleaf, I figure you would have come up to me and said something like, hey, did you ever get a chance to read that book? And, yeah, you uh, also have a scroll. I do yeah. also have a scroll. And From Wegg, someone else who I forget who gave it to. And Wegg went, oh, write the book. And, Batlock uh, gave it to Batlock gave him the scroll. 
Batlock right. gave me the scroll. Okay. Yeah, Batlock gave it to you out of his uh, dra- his dragon skin uh, briefcase. Right. right. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Wag wants to. Before we get going, Wag wants to like at least thumb through these and see what the deal is because uh, he was so concerned with um, finding the missing children in Ravenloft that he didn't really think about it at the time to like ask Oster where he got this dang book from a different plane mm. um, and wishes that he could go back and find out a little bit more about that. But now we've got mm-hmm. the book and that's what we'll have to work with. The um, Okay, well, uh, so Silverleaf, can you give me an Arcana check? And uh, Wag, you want to give me a you know religion or history, whatever, sure. whatever you want to do, whatever you let, think is appropriate. Let me open my tube of dice. Oh, he's got one. I've got I've got a tube. Here's some foley work. <laughs> Twenty-seven. Okay. I am going to make a let's see. Uh, I'm going to make a religion check that, okay. uh, that gives me a plus four. Great. Um, which is a 23. Okay. And, and you had 27, you said? That's right. Okay. Um, okay. So, uh, so Relief, the, th- the thing that you see by reading through this, right? Obviously, there was a lot of, like, religious lingo in here that you just don't know anything about you know it's part of a faith that you're not a part of at least as far as i know um you know but you can see some some kind of allegorical similarities going on here to um the great fish beneath the lake mm-hmm. um you know that that kind of uh, religious logic it all makes sense to you but but what you notice here is that this has been commented on many different times not just by religious authority but by um, uh, but by uh, magic users, okay? So there's kind of marginalia, and sometimes you can see that that marginalia is kind of speaking your language, for lack of a better term. It's referencing uh, the kinds of things that, you're, you, that you deal with, right? The kind of magic of the weave and things like that. I mean, you wouldn't know it by those terms, right? But mm-hmm. the great net uh, yeah. that binds all things that is manipulated in order to cast spells and and the way that your wands interact and pull um, energy out of that that great net. You're, you're seeing how someone in the margins of this book has uh, pinpointed places in the book where uh, that is being talked through re- religiously. Okay? Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions about that? Um... Just because you had a high enough roll, I think that, yeah. and I can. I let me let me uh, let me talk to Wag, and then if you have any questions, we can we can come back in a second. Yeah. Too. Okay. Sure. Um, so Wag, what you notice is you you see maybe the first two thirds, and you're kind of flipping through page by page, right? You're taking a good hour on it. Okay. Um, you you see a lot of familiar stories, right? So mm-hmm. uh, what's a what's a story that's very um, common in the religion of Raglan? You don't have to tell the whole story, but like. You know, uh, like there's... like we would think Jonah and the whale, right? There, there's a story about um. There's a, a sort of like one of those like cautionary like scary fairy tales that mm-hmm. they tell kids, uh, about a boy like basically a small halfling boy that doesn't listen to his parents and goes off into the woods and gets uh, like attacked by an owl bear, but uh, the owl bear is uh chased off by a black mastiff. Mm. who leads the child back home 
and uh, that allegory is both a cautionary tale tale for children to be like, listen to your parents. There's owl bears. It's dangerous out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also serves as as a metaphor for like when we when we all eventually encounter a danger that is too great, Aragolin will take care of us afterwards. Mm-hmm. But but importantly too, the Black Mastiff chases the boy back home. Well, well, leads the boy back home. Oh, rather. oh, I see. Yeah, okay, guides him to his yeah. final destination. Yeah, got it. Um, so you see that that kind of thing is in the first two thirds of the book, like these kind of common tales that you might hear in the, in the Church of Aragolin or in your kind of religious upbringing, and then um, the back third is about things that you've never heard of before. Hmm. There's there are things here about how in the ancient this is this is some early Aragolin literature, right? There, there, uh, there's uh, this is the Dead Sea Scrolls of Aragolin, right? Oh. It's a lot, a lot of normal stuff that you're familiar with, and some things you're not. So, uh, number one, um, there is uh, raising of the dead, uh, but without the permission of Aragolin. So it's a story about how Aragolin heard. Um, or, or, or it's a, you know an allegorical, a pseudo allegorical story, mm-hmm. that, like the one you just told. That's about how Aragolin was sitting in his kind of domain of death. What, what's his domain of death look like? Maybe a big interplanar graveyard. Uh, it's more of like <laughs> I don't want to say office complex, but like <laughs> um, it's administrative. Right? Got it. And Got it. and and like uh. There, there is so much work that goes into just like keeping because there are so many dead halflings. Like mm-hmm. I, can, like <laughs> I cannot begin to tell you how many dead halflings there are, and <laughs> it is a huge amount of work to keep track of all of them and to make sure that none of them go missing, none of them are resurrected when they're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like none of them are committing identity theft and ending up in an afterlife that they're not supposed to be in. Got it. Um, so they like can hide really well, right? yeah. So you gotta like look for all of them. <laughs> yeah, their perception is off the charts. <laughs> their their stealth checks are crazy, um, and uh, and so like I I imagine I've always kind of thought of Aragolin as sort of like the D and D version of like Great King Yemma from Dragon Ball Z. You know, oh, sure. I know uh, exactly what you're talking about. Yes, of course. Uh, great, and, great, great King Yemma. Great King. Great King. And so yeah, so I imagine death domain his his domain as like not like an office complex in that it's got halogen lights and cubicles mm-hmm. and stuff, but just like um I sort of see it as like the floor the a floor a floor of a building that kind of extends in every direction sort of forever mm-hmm. and that is full of just full of records. Got it. Um just in, an infinite number of records for an infinite number of dead halflings both past present and future um and that's how, that's how he kind of manages everything okay so the and so the story that you read is is a story about this domain right it's it's about Aragolin and it's about Aragolin you know kind of dutifully taking down the records and checking those records and checking them again and having assistants to help him and all that kind of stuff right it's this very kind of like and therefore and therefore and therefore and of mm-hmm. course and that you know that kind of 
uh, almost Old Testament-y kind of uh, elaboration of detail, or, or like a classical Greek uh, elaboration of detail. A lot um, of things it, begetting other things. Uh-huh, a, a whole lot of records begetting other other records. And um, But what the, the story takes a turn when Aragolin discovers that there have been records written uh, that he does not remember writing that hmm. are written in his own hand. That's uh, troubling. It is, and it's it's very much like a uh, uh, like almost a Talmudic story in the end because there's no, there's no like resolution to the story. It's just Aragolin now has to deal with the fact that he that there are records that appear to be legitimate, but in his heart he believes are not legitimate, but he can't do anything about it. That's so a... even so, it's a story about kind of the fallibility almost of Aragolin. Right, uh, and, and he, that's uh, Aragolin doesn't have fallibility. I, I one know. Might, one might call him infallible. Mm. Um, unfallible? And, infallible? No, it's infallible. It's yeah. infallible. Yeah, I get um, infallible and uneffable confused. <laughs> Wait, it's ineffable. Yeah, it's is, is it ineffable? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the word I'm thinking of then? <laughs> um. So, so you get this story. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's a little bit, um, disconcerting. Um, it is because Aragolin, like one with Aragolin not being able to make mistakes, but two, Aragolin also has never forgotten anything. He's never mm. forgotten like any, he's never forgotten the fate or like purpose of any halfling period ever. So like mm. for, for there to not, not only is it like an upsetting thought that he could, like find records that he doesn't remember but like records about halflings that he doesn't remember especially mm-hmm. uh it's a bad feeling like does not enjoy it so and and as you're flipping through this you're reading this you're furrowing your brow you're you're feeling ungood about it mm-hmm. um and you get to the last 10 pages or so and silverleaf you notice this too you, you see the formatting right whether it is uh, bone writing or whether it's in common or anything else you're going to recognize this formatting. Wag, you see it too. It's a prophecy. Mm. There's a prophecy in here. And the the prophecy, you know, without getting into specific words of it, because I don't want to be held to anything. <laughs> um, the general vibe of the prophecy, because um, that's the most important part, is the prophecy vibes. Um, the, the vibe of the prophecy is that um, Oragolin's uh, administrative cave, Oragolin's realm, the bureaucracy... Mm-hmm. Of, of Aragolin's realm uh, will one day be uh, disrupted and that an agent will appear who will fundamentally destroy all the knowledge that Aragolin has. That but it will bad. also be that agent who brings all that knowledge back together. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. It sounds but like a, wig. But a time of great chaos will happen in the middle. Hmm. Um... And uh, no, no hound or ant will be able to mend it together. Wag is Wag's stomach hurts <laughs> reading this. <laughs> Surprised Wag didn't throw up. <laughs> Wag throws up. <laughs> hmm. um, so, so yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Sarah. I got a, I got some questions. I wonder if. Um... You know, in in all of my travels, I've 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 known uh, religious, you know, miracle workers to to pray every morning 
and to say a set number of prayers. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just like wondering, uh, do the are these like books or relics of Aragolin, um, or the things that they tell 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 us about um, Aragolin's story uh, or the prophecy? Uh, do they have anything to do with the fact that um, uh, Wegg seems to be able to cast any spell at any time? <laughs> um. Without yes. praying in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, there's indeed, one that indeed. explains indeed. Yeah. that explicitly says followers of Araglin may cast any spell at any time <laughs> without praying. Followers in the of Araglin do do not prep spells because it is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> and they're let already me, doing the work by remembering yeah. everything. Let me let me just let me just uh clear this up uh for, for the for the listeners. Uh I'm totally okay with this. <laughs> That's cool as hell. Um, well, that makes sense, right? Because much like their their deity, Araglon, they also never forget the spells they Never forget have. a prayer. So why would they need to prepare them? Yeah. Well, they they only have so much energy in a day. Mm-hmm. Right, that makes sense. But, we, en- we endeavor to never forget. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, unlike unlike Araglon, we are imperfect. But sometimes they got to spend... Two or three minutes looking through spell sheet. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. We we've we've talked before that Weg's uh, Weg's uh, dank robes are filled with little little scraps of paper tucked into every fold that contain like just the basic information and required reagents of every spell that he's ever learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and he remembers them, and like all he needs is that one little thing to like jog his memory and bring it back to the front of his mind. But uh, sometimes it takes a second for him. He to... has an extreme mnemonic system. Yeah, <laughs> tucked, tucked into his folds as uh, dead halflings, tucked into a burial mound. Mm-hmm. Wow, tucked in. Tucked yeah, in, <laughs> tucked in. Period. Yeah, uh, ha- yeah. Halfling burials are adorable. You get tucked in. It's really cute. <laughs> the, this sounds uh... really creepy and not adorable. <laughs> no, it's adorable. Try, trust the expert. Um, Okay, well, uh, so really for Wag, any more questions about looking through the Aragolin literature? Uh, was there any, like, was was what well, we just covered all that in the scroll and the book? Or was That's in there... the book. Okay. Um, I, I think, uh, let's save the scroll. Let's, let's hang um, on to the scroll for right now? Yeah, you, we probably you, don't have you, time to go through both in one morning. You start looking, let me say this, you start looking at the scroll, you kind of, un, you know, because it's got uh, the little... Um, what you call it? It's like things at the top and the bottom where you mm-hmm. can like roll them and they the, the whole thing kind of uh, like scrolls by literally. And uh, you start looking at the top of it, and you don't you don't want to look at it while other people are around. Okay, it's lewd. <laughs> I can I can. There's the it's, like, got, it's got pictures of a halfling Betty Boop on it. Yeah, <laughs> from from the dr 1920s, and they're like real lewd. Yeah, Wig's like oh my. Just rolls, uh, rolls it back up. It's a uh, uh, an Impulturian Bible. <laughs> uh, okay. What? Um, yeah, like a, like a uh, you, you know what? I'm waving my hand at you. You'll never understand. Um, <laughs> the uh, okay. Any any other stuff y'all want to do here? So we checked out the Raglan literature. We checked out some information from Impulture. Um, we got the Gilbert Golem on deck. Any other administrative stuff we want to do? 
I'm good. Yeah, good on items and supplies. I can't think of anything else. Okay. All right. The uh, all right. So you you make your way. Remember the the lazy rabbit. Uh, despite being a uh, kind of a pseudo unit, you know, stronghold here. Um, not, not, you know, still kind of far away from the Hoback the Bald's little, little place of business. I think I called it the Wizards Guild or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's where the wizards are. He's on an island, right? Yep. Yeah, everything yeah. is on an island. Well, he most, was. Most He's, things he, here. Hoback's long gone. Yes. Uh, exactly. So you make your way to, to where Hoback used to live. You remember Hoback um, zipped off, you know, through some sort of planar magic last time you saw him. Didn't he and disappear into his hat? He, he did zip up into his hat and then, yeah. then disappear, yeah. Um, and uh, he, uh, so, so you make your way there. You knock on the door. The same uh, uh, kind of pseudo-rude butler shows up again. You explain you're here to check out the Gilbert Golem. And uh, as you make your way there, you can see that there is a list on the door, like a checklist, right? A construction checklist. Um, uh, Silverleaf, do you think you could remind us what was on that checklist? Yes, here are the items on the checklist. Um, we've completed two of these four items. The first mm-hmm. item is to assemble the IKEA Golem flat pack, um, mm-hmm. which we did. There's all um, kinds of asterisks and dots on those vowels. Yeah, umla the Golem. Yeah, there um, are no asterisks. <laughs> yeah, not asterisks. You know, what, you know what I mean. Okay, so uh, step two. Uh, which was uh, placed in the authorized personnel only room and play sounds of construction anthology collection bartograph at high volume. Okay. Uh, which we and did. that's play. You can see actually on a small table right beside this door, the bartograph has been played. It's played all the way out. It's actually going around the inner loop and going, um, you know, what happens when the, the when, yeah, when a bartograph runs out and you don't turn it off. Yeah. Um, the next step is to uh, commence the rotation of the orb. Mm-hmm. And but here's the thing, last time you were here, obviously unchecked because you didn't do it. Yeah. Someone, someone's checked that off. Great. Who someone rotated got the ball our orb? There. Yeah. Wegg's disappointed. Um, that was his favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> he was really, he was really excited to find out what the orb does when you it's rotate. It's pre, it. it's pre-rotated. Yeah. Oh, they purchased a pre-rotated orb. It was uh, oh, okay. like a two percent price oh. increase, but really worth it. it saves, saves on labor. Yeah. Um. And then the uh, the final step is to uh, admire handiwork. We can do that. The it's going to take a while to do. The to door is the closed in front of you. Wait, did you say the door is closed in front of us? It's closed. It's closed, but you could open it. Can I? I open it. There's a Gilbert Golem in there. Oh, <sighs> yeah. What you see in front of you is a eight foot tall. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, um, like pseudo robot body you know you don't know what a robot is but but if you knew what a robot was you would think this was a robot it's got um uh ironwood arms you know so so it's uh it's not made of metal right but it's made of really well done stuff it kind of looks like a um uh what's the uh like legos but but that are bionicle uh, it looks like a bionicle (laughs) yeah (laughs) made of ironwood uh, so light, but but incredibly strong. Uh, you see a big orb in the middle, huge orb in the middle. That, that obviously the orb that needed to be rotated. And inside of that, kind of like uh, what Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. kind of like that. There's a Gilbert in the middle, and he is floating 
in uh, in magical water that neither sloshes nor splurps. Wegg wants to make an admiration check. Okay, roll that d20. It's a three. You, you, you're not that impressed, honestly. Right? <laughs> you were expecting more. Um, <laughs> below it, you about, see... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'd like to take a few measurements, okay? Okay, absolutely. Okay, what percent comical lip? Oh, on the Gilbert? Yeah. Oh, he's 110% big old lip. Okay, and uh, I got a... What... Um, what degree of uh, of of just like big cartoon eyeballs? Oh, uh, uh, how are you looking for this in measurements? Are you looking for diameter here? What are we looking for? Yeah, I think I think I'm looking for uh, you know in um, in uh, yeah in diameter. Uh, you're looking at about probably one uh, ice troll's hand. Mm. In diameter, wow! Each of them, Damn. yeah, they're big. And, he, and he's blinking them big old bashful eyes at you. Is he? Uh, and, is he happy to see us? Oh, he's extremely happy. He kind of uh, flips around a little bit. Um, we've never really discussed before if uh, you know. Wait, he, does Gilbert have consciousness? <laughs> wait, sorry. Do, when you say he flips around, do you mean the Gilbert that's inside the golem, or do you yes. mean the golem? No, the Gilbert inside the golem. He like does a little backflip, and he looks at you, and uh, you hear, "Hello, glug glug." Yeah, you can talk. Wegg runs up. Wegg Wegg wraps his arms around one of the enormous tree trunk legs of the Me golem, speak. and says, uh, "Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm a big boy now." My big boy. I'm very big. Put put daddy up on your shoulder. Uh, he picks Wegg up. Puts him on his shoulder. Yeah. And there's no head up there, right? So it's just like shoulders. <laughs> and so Wegg can kind of sit in the dead middle. Um, and kind of hold on. And be like be like the head for this eight foot tall. <laughs> Gilbert Golem. Who run um, Town? <laughs> uh, Gilbert runs Town. Pretty sure. Pretty what's sure this is a flipped here? around operation. <laughs> well, well, uh, Gilbert, what's uh, what's next for you? What are you gonna do with yourself now that you, uh, you know, now that you have this, th- now that you can be on land? College. Interesting. Wait, college. Bard college. Surely not. You're going to go back and be a bugbear, right? Bard college. No, I'm bad at math. <laughs> Wanted Gilbert, to be engineer. What major are you gonna? Uh, what are you gonna major in? Underwater studies. Wait, underwater studies. I point at Kylie. Points at Silverleaf and goes, "Don't you have an in at Fish Polytechnic?" Yeah, we can get you in. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send a bone. <laughs> Wait, so this is like a uh, a legacy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, Silverleaf's family has made many sizable donations <laughs> to Fish Polytechnic over the, over the years. And yeah, we uh, donated a lot of scales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think 
I, I speak for all of us when say after our previous experience at Bard College, they don't do a good education there. That's not some place you want to go. Hmm. Yeah, not, not that Bard College, at least. <laughs> oh yeah, no disrespect to the real Bard College. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this was one of those like um, for profit. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Wink. It was the, it wait, was wait. the University of Baldur's Gate Bald. at Marsenburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you uh, you you take all your classes uh, via a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Okay. Wait. You got any? You got any questions for uh for Gilbert here? You got any expectations for? You got any life advice you want to dole out to him? Um. Can we ask who did the orb? Who rotated the orb? Yeah. Uh, it tells you Ryder Ridley. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Ryder is who we had uh, doing this whole thing for us to begin yeah. with. I, yeah, um, I believe he was there in the room when that was happening. Right. Uh, Wegg asks Gilbert, um, like, how long he's gonna be here for? Like, well, I, like, I like, like, like Gilbert, you're a big boy now, and. You know, you can make your own decisions, and if you want to go to college, well, we'll support that, and we'll, uh, Daddy Silverleaf will, uh, get, uh, Don't we'll, call him Daddy Silverleaf. <laughs> we'll send a, we'll send a bone off to, to, uh, Fish Polytechnic, and, and we can, uh, see about getting, you know, a, a hardship scholarship and, uh, doing all that sort of thing, but, uh, you know, it's, it's such a brand new thing here to be able to actually talk to you. It, it would be a shame for you to to go away so quickly. <laughs> I really wanted to be like, I'm my own man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you couldn't tell me what to do. Uh, but well, I guess I need to throw that back to y'all. I mean, what is what was your expectation for Gilbert uh, having to go on? <laughs> I thought we would get a new party member and fight people. <laughs> <laughs> to play Gilbert the fish? No, no, like... <laughs> Like I, a, I I assumed that Gil- yeah I assumed that Gilbert that Gilbert's golem would be uh, a DM controlled semi autonomous yeah. member of the party. Oh, I see. Okay, well he could probably come on an adventure with you. Yeah, I don't think it'll. I don't think that'll hurt. But maybe not forever. Right. Because I, if I, you let me control Gilbert, he'll die. <laughs> so oh no. He'll die tragically. It's not like um, we ever get in combat. <laughs> and uh, and just outside of the fiction for a second, I would feel bad um, for us to have the Gilbert Golem ep- adventure episode be one that where Mary wasn't able to be sure. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense for me. So why why don't we why don't why don't we uh, have uh, so uh, Gilbert explains that he needs to. Uh, study for the uh, the uh, FATs. Thing. Yeah, the the the, uh, the fish, uh, whatever. Aptitude test. Yeah, the fish aptitude test. He should ace it, but he still needs to study. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, so it's not about getting a, it's it's not about getting a good score at this point. It's about getting a perfect score. You know, because you want a full ride, fish mm-hmm. polytechnic. It's a lot of money. Yeah, uh, yeah, aren't we super rich now? I mean, compared to here, but not compared to Fish Polytechnic. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. The endowment is massive. Yeah. They have so many fish in the lake. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> okay, go on. 
and they speculate on it. <laughs> they, they, they sell they they sell bonds <laughs> based on it, and it's a huge fundraising. Anyway, so so the Gilbert I think probably is going to hang out here studying for for the the, the fish aptitude test mm-hmm. until until called upon. How about that? Okay. okay. Uh, Wegg takes a look around the room and and like wants to make sure that Gilbert has anything, and he says, "Buddy, is there anything you that you need before we go off again?" Uh, and he, he explains no. You yeah, know that okay. the the wizards take care of you know. There's a bunch of wizards that live here. They love the idea of a talking robot fish. <laughs> <laughs> they think that's fun. Um, you know, so no, he's having a good time. Okay, and he just needs. He still only needs like a little dab of fish food. Yeah, because he's still real small. He's still like yeah, a little, little bitty guy. So, uh, no, I think Gilbert is a okay, but his Gil, his Gilbert Golem suit is complete. Hooray! Yay! We did it. I feel like that was that was the like longest um, not quest but like project we have had in this entire thing. I think so. Yeah, it I, took yeah. several adventures. But, but, or besides, like sending people off to our exile town, <laughs> the town in Triel. Yeah, the town of Triel. Uh, okay. So, anything else you want to do around town? Um. um we want to thank Riley. Oh yeah, is he here? All right, that was the episode. You learned a lot about Raglan, I bet. Um, thanks so much again for listening to the episode. If you like this a lot, you can go to patreon.com slash range touch. It's down in the description below this episode, wherever you're listening to it, uh, to support the show. So it was a dollar a month really does help out in a significant way. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And, uh, we'll get into like some actual adventuring, um, in the next episode. Check it out. <laughs>